0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 252. And, by God, is it a goodie. I mentioned last week that I wasn't going to announce who this week's guests were, because I don't like to announce them until they're actually recorded and in the bag. But the good news is this week we've got two guests. One on Friday, and that's Joe Cornish. That's Joe Cornish of Adam and Joe, and of uh, Attack the Block, and of his new film, uh, The Kid Who Would Be King, which is fantastic, but we'll get into that on friday but today's guest is a living legend in mary j blige the queen of r&b and soul uh yeah hugely excited to to have this conversation before i get into it i will mention number one we had a great amount of response on twitter for the non-fast forward crew because i mentioned in last week's intro um that i know there's a certain amount of people who just fast-forward the intros. I get it. I guess they can get repetitive. But, you know, I like them on on the podcast I listen to. The reason I do them is because I like to have a little catch-up with the host. I love Adam Buxton's. Um, I love Richard Herring's. I like them little bits at the beginning. So, that aside, if you're listening now, welcome to the non-fast-forward crew. But two big things happened last week. Um, obviously, we had the amazing Joel Egerton on the podcast. In fact, I'll mention now as well. If this is your first time listening, I'm trying to think of good hip-hop and music-based people I've had on. Um, we've had Killer Mike on the podcast, A Roots Maneuver, uh, Saul Williams, Gene uh, Grey was one of my f- 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 favourite episodes I've ever done. So ch- check out Gene, Kate Tempest, t- tons of good people, basically. Um, but yeah, this week it's Mary J. Blige, and I was really excited about that. Um, we talk about a lot of stuff. Mary was on uh, primarily to talk about the Umbrella Academy, uh, which is a new Netflix TV show, which is amazing. It's it's based on the comic book series by um, G- Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance. And it's really good. It's a great comic book, and the show translates perfectly. The cast is amazing. You've got Ellen Page. You've got previous guest Robert Sheehan, He's amazing in it. May and Mary talk about that um, in the in 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 the podcast. So yeah, check that out on Netflix. It's fantastic. Um, if it's not up when you're listening to this, it will at least be available to add to your list um, on a preview search. So I recommend it highly. I I always g- g- get sent pr- preview links for anything I'm doing a podcast on that isn't out yet. I have a preview links so or I go I go to a screening, and on the preview links I'll normally watch an episode or two just to get an idea. I think I've got one episode left of this because I just smashed through all of them because it's, yeah, it's cracking. So anyway, I'll be I'll be back at the end. There's a few things I want to talk about. Some of them are what happened last week in my world, but I'm going to put that at the end. I'll mention now before we get into it that speechdevelopmentrecords.com has got tons of amazing uh, new merch. I've got the new gloves over there that look ridiculously good. I'm uh, I'm so, so happy with them, but tons of good stuff over at speechdevelopmentrecords.com. dot com. Hey Dave, if you just just want to support the podcast by buying merch, and also this I posted about directly after each uh, podcast, I I post a, a digital selfie rather than the Polaroid selfie that you guys see. I post a digital selfie on patreon.com slash Rubius pip and the reaction to this one was huge because I'd kept it so under wraps. So um, if you want to join patreon.com slash pip, it's a dollar a month. You get previews of all the guests that are coming on. You get poem of the month launched last week. So I'm recording a bit of spoken word f- like for the first time in years. I've recorded a load already and I'm putting them out the first Monday of every month. Um, and there's also going to be a thing called Distraction Pieces Podcast Rewind. But I won't get into that now because you want to get into the podcast. So without further ado, this is... The legend, Mary J. Blige. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to the Right, I'm joined today by the queen of R and B and soul, Miss. Miss Mary J. Blige, how are you? I'm
1: great. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you finding? Have you fl- flown over here recently? Is there any jet lag? How are you uh, holding up? I'm
1: out? so jet lagged, but I love London. I know what it is over here. I've yeah, been over here so many times. It's like a second home. Yeah, yeah.
0: You did, or, or you did the whole um, a live London kind of albums and, t- and tour and stuff. Then you. So is it a very? Is it a, a place? That you're really familiar with and kind of, yeah.
1: Very familiar with London. I, I, I love it, man. It, it, it reminds me of New York. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and, and, and how is it being over here to promote your acting and a TV mm-hmm. show rather than music and touring and gigging? How's mm-hmm. that kind of ch- changing pace? It's,
1: it's been great. I mean, it's, it's almost the same thing in, in lots of interviews Yeah, <laughs> about the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, 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 how was it to be involved? in the Umbrella Academy. It's a, it's a, it's a a comic book I'd read. Um, it's Mm -hmm. by, it's written by Gerard Way of -hmm. of My Chemical Romance. So it's got that kind of dark moody feel to it, but Mm -hmm. it's an amazing one on screen. Visually, it looks amazing. The the characters are really interesting. How was Mm -hmm. it to, to get offered that role and then to, 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 to jump on board?
1: Oh, well, it was amazing to, to get offered the role and, um, it came through my agency, of course. And when I read the, Script, you know, I fell in love with the script because it was relative to like real life, you know, dysfunctional families, you yeah. know, sibling rivalry, things like that. And, you know, when I read the role of Cha-Cha, I was just like, yes, I, I need to play this woman. She's just super bad, you know. Yeah. And I needed to be a super bad, super villain at the moment. That's something I wanted to play. I wanted to learn martial arts. I wanted to learn how to shoot guns. And I just was, I was thrilled to, to play Cha-Cha.
0: Yeah. And and she's a hell of a character because there's, uh, the story just really briefly is that it's it's a load of super powered children who are brought into an academy from birth all born on the same date and then -hmm. their powers are nurtured and they're turned into a crime fighting gang but it's a dysfunctional family Mm -hmm. and you're you're not a superhero you're there as kind of an agent to to track down who like you don't know at that point who you're meant to be tracking down but it means that you get to go in there and shoot guns and kick ass and look slick in a suit Mm -hmm. and be Mm -hmm. really kind of it's a hell of a character I mean, everything
1: about Cha Cha is something that you know. I guess we all have in us. I know I have it in me. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just really about her business, and her business is murder. She just wants to do the job, which is murder whoever gets in the way of whoever they came to assassinate. Yeah. And um, she's just a badass, and just just some, sometimes we just we have to be that. We want to be that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The first acting gig I ever did, I got a message. Last minute saying, Are you about at the weekend? Because we're going to add you to, to shoot but can you come in early um for axe training? And it's the most exciting message I've ever got because mm-hmm. I've been invited in to train with axes. So, how <laughs> was it to kind of go, Can you, are you, are you all right to come and? learn to beat people up and shoot guns and all that. Got for work <laughs> for your job
1: i loved every minute of it be, i love training for martial arts i love training to shoot guns i love doing it all yeah like once we learned everything i just was so happy and excited to do it it was like you know my my partner and i we were, we were talking and we, we was like, you know, discussing how great the fight was going to be and how we had to do our own stunts. And I was I just really wanted to fight. Like I yeah. wanted I didn't care if I was and I was, you know, after I did the fight with my um partner, um, I was all bruised up the next day. But I didn't care because I kept telling him to hit me, throw me, do whatever, <laughs> like, just do it, you know, because I mean, I could take it really good. Yeah. And um, I, I just yeah, I just wanted to be able to sit in the interview and say I did that myself. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, of course, the the. Uh, the um stunt, the stunt doubles, they do a lot, a lot of stuff too. But yeah. for the most part, my partner and I, we did all of our
0: stuff. Yeah, yeah. and it's exciting mm-hmm. to get to get to get in there and do that. I think it's mm-hmm. something that comes from because I've I've done a similar thing of coming from rap and music into acting, mm-hmm. and there's an excitement if you're not coming out of a stage school or stuff like that then mm-hmm. there is that excitement to go no i just i want to get my hands dirty i want to get in exactly. whereas if you're kind of more stage or it might be well who's doing the who's the, who's doing this for me if you're not right. you're like so i get to do this like <laughs> reading the script I, i'm gonna get to beat these people up and shoot these people yeah Let's that do it that Let's was the in. reason
1: for doing it in the first place when i saw that it was like i really want to do this yeah because you know of this because you know i, I want to get my hands dirty i want to be i want people to say, wow. She can yeah. do that too.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did it continue on afterwards? Because I find with a lot of things. If you have to do something for work, mm-hmm. that can then become an addiction. So if you're learning yeah. martial arts or getting into fitness, mm-hmm. I, I follow you on Instagram and you're obviously well into the fitness thing. Yes, so it's I kind am. Of having to do something for a gig is great motivation to get you started. And then once you're started, it keeps rolling.
1: Yeah. I love it. I'm going to definitely continue to do it. Um, I have, I've only been training like normally with my regular trainer. So it's either regular training or martial arts. You can't do both because martial arts itself is like a whole another
0: fitness thing. So
1: I'm going to definitely dive back into that, you know, real soon. Once I can slow down, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, it's all about schedule and having the time to dedicate yourself do it right because you can't just step in, to turn up every, like once a month, and be right. here to. No, you have to train. commit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that stands out with your your character is the awesome masks that mm. the, that you get to wear. It's like Dead Mouse, but made in the Bronx, and in in like, it's kind of it's, it's like it's not it's not as flashy, and it's more mm. it's childlike but scary and Mm -hmm. how was that to kind of see the costumes and be oh wow i get to i mean
1: the costumes were (laughs) wicked (laughs) i love the mask and and the, the suits, you know, yeah. it's it's a it's a great that combination. It's a bizarre. great Halloween costume already. Yeah. It's like, exactly. <laughs> isn't it easy? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I, <laughs> I loved it. I didn't like wearing it, but I, I loved the way it looked. Yeah, yeah.
0: So was it uncomfortable in those days I, for a, a length of time and.
1: Yeah, I didn't like. I didn't like it. It was very uncomfortable, almost scary. But you know, you, you make it happen. There's people on set. There were fans inside of, you know, like. Fans inside of the um right in the mask to help yeah, yeah, us breathe, yeah. but it was like I I think I might be a slight bit claustrophobic because it, you know I couldn't do most of that. It was like nah, um, we'll let the stunt doubles do a lot of this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Fair. But you know, all of the shooting, the guns and stuff like that, you know, I was that was me in those masks and yeah. a couple of the fights, you know. But a lot of it was like, ugh, this is too much.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's intense, right? Yeah. Um. So. One scene that jumped out to me was a a laboratory scene. And again, I'm avoiding any any spoilers, but Uh did that feel like a day's work? Because you're going in and you're getting to to dance, smash stuff, (laughs) shoot stuff. And just this whole scene is just, it looks visually amazing. The lighting and everything is crazy. And it just felt like it's one of them where, again... You know, acting and being on set is an amazing thing, but there is pressure of learning lines and all this kind of thing, and right. making sure you're on point and you're going to deliver and be, you know, part of the team. But when you've got a scene that you can look at and there's no d- dialogue to learn, so, so that pressure's off. Right. You're basically getting to go in and 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 party on camera for a for a bit. Was that was that a good day?
1: That was a great day, and it was actually a short day.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because
1: yeah. that's all we did. We went and we danced and we did anything just anything we were doing anything (laughs) yeah and we we, that was fun that that scene as fun as it looked that's how much fun it was doing it
0: and 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 how is it seeing how things have translated from what you did on the day to now on the screen because again the 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 cinematography is Mm -hmm. so beautifully shot it's dark and moody right it must feel quite different to what you were were there in the moments So is it rewarding to kind of come out and go oh wow this is this is what we were doing
1: Right. It's definitely, definitely rewarding to see it. And it's, it's, it's as funny as it was when we were doing it. Yeah. And, um, it looks good. Like, you know, the fire and everything. Yeah. You know, it was, it it looks great. Yeah. The whole thing. I mean, the whole thing is just amazing. The way it looks, the way it feels, you know, the different stories and how every sibling, everyone has a story. Yeah. Really. Except for Hazel and Cha Cha. We just came out of nowhere, just kicking everybody's ass.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah. right? There's so much b- backstory, and you're just like get to come and go. No, you're just there to r- mess up everyone's forward story. Right. Es- essentially.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Um, so, so how did you kind of find the character and get into the character? Because it mm-hmm. is on paper, it's quite a. This is just a, a badass. But the mm-hmm. relationship between your character and your partner is is there's a tenderness. There's there's uh, you know power struggle. To, touch type things in there. So there's right. a lot more than on the surface. So how was that to, to jump into and, and find?
1: Well, you have, I had to remember that this person has been with Cha-Cha for eight years killing people, right? Yeah. So if she's a, a, a sadistic sociopath, you know, doesn't care about anything, she has to care about one thing. And that's this guy that's with her all the time. Yeah. And the reason why she loves him and cares about him is because he helps her do what she loves, yeah. which is murder people. Yeah. Right. So, To get in that mind frame, you just have to think, you know, of a very selfish individual.
0: Yeah, yeah. And,
1: you know, when we're in pain, we're very selfish individuals. So I had to go to some painful, painful real-life places to make Cha-Cha as dark and as crazy as she is. Yeah. Yeah, so I just gave her a lot of real-life scenarios and really bad things that happened to me and put it in her head. But I made him someone that she cared about And no one better Better, better not mess with him yeah. And he can't leave me either Because I need him too yeah. So I, I was I, You know I did it like Kind of like fatal attraction Like you know If you leave me I'm going to kill you Type thing Yeah <laughs>
0: yeah You're both complicit in each other Yeah but,
1: but we're not in romance It's not a yeah. romantic thing It's just that she needs him To help her survive Yeah And her survival is killing people
0: Yeah It's deep yeah Yeah it's dark right <laughs> Yeah it's <dark>, yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> So how was it uh, being on set because the the beauty of a show like this is because there's a real range in in ages and experience. It's a great just ensemble cast. Um mm-hmm. R- R- Robert Sheehan is is a friend of the podcast as such, mm-hmm. and he's he's amazing. His character's amazing on screen, and, right. and you guys have a great few scenes in the in the hotel room and things like that with him. H- how was it to work with these guys and and to to jump into that?
1: Oh, man, um the first day I did the scene with Robert Sheehan. I was blown away. Like he's an amazing actor. Like it's a
0: force of nature, it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah.
1: Like to watch this. Like to watch him become Klaus. Like I, like my eyes were like stretched. Yeah. It was like this. This is incredible. And to see it back, you know, you know, this is when we were doing the scene in person. Yeah. But to to see it in person was like, oh my god, this guy is phenomenal. Yeah. And then to see everything he did in the show was like, whoa, got wow. Like he's amazing. Yeah. He killed. everybody killed you know but you know robert is a very like like he's 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 special
0: yeah yeah he is one that it feels that anytime they find a character that just clicks for him it's next level you can just put that on screen and it'll go forever and ever yeah
1: he's he 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 doesn't mind stripping down and just letting you see everything yeah yeah and it's like wow what an inspiration yeah you know i'm gonna learn
0: some more from him you know yeah yeah do you find that because it's an interesting one? Because you've you've dipped in and out of acting th- throughout your careers, mm-hmm. sometimes playing mm-hmm. yourself, sometimes mm-hmm. playing other characters. Mm-hmm. Do you find it's still kind of uh, you're at work, but you're also you know in in a in a lesson uh, when you're on set? Because there mm-hmm. are going to be always these amazing people around you that you can learn mm-hmm. from and improve your own, own 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 game.
1: Right, I'm constantly in a learning stage. Like m- everywhere I go, anything I do. If I, I can pick something up or learn it, I will. And especially on set, it's like this is like is as old as it may seem to people for me, it's still new for me. I'm yeah. still learning. I'm still growing because I want to learn and I want to grow and I want to be better. I yeah. want to be great at it. Yeah. You know, I want to be better than what I am now. You know? Yeah. So I have to keep my myself in that learning
0: stage. Yeah. It's, it's does that excite you about acting? Because when the, the thing that's excited me in recent years about acting is, in music, I was always excited about that album and that moment, mm-hmm. but not necessarily about the thought of 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line. Whereas acting feels like that industry where you should just keep getting better and better and better. There's, mm-hmm. There shouldn't be a point of diminishing returns. It's from a skill point of view. Obviously, there's always a box office or a varying view on box office things but uh, from a skill p- point of view you should be able to if you're doing this for the rest of your life you should be able to do that. just keep getting better and better and becoming gr- greater and greater
1: I think there's so much room to become better and better and greater and greater in acting because I speak for myself because you can't ever see what other people see like I can't like people coming to me like oh my god that was phenomenal yeah. and I'm like really yeah 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 <laughs> because I can only see the holes and the things that I've done wrong because I Man. I I'm thinking about what I, what do I need to fix yeah. so there's always room to grow and I think for you know so many actors and actresses I speak to they feel the same way like you know I'm like people like wow, phenomenal. And you're like, I need work. I need some more work. I need some more acting training. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to consistently get, you know, continue to learn because as as long as I can see holes, (laughs) there's room for learning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So is it nice when you get that kind of, that affirmation? Because again, as you said, if you're looking at it as you've still got a lot of improving to do, you're learning. You were amazing in this. Like it it didn't feel like just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the ones that's, you know what I mean, Added in or transitioning from music wow. into acting and things. It worked great. So is that kind of a motivating thing when you find that character and that role that that, that, that that you can nail in that way that other people are saying, this is this is really good. You've you've got something here.
1: When people say it's really good, yeah. I say thank you and I go to work.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to work <laughs> yeah. on making
1: it even better. Yeah. If this is good and you guys think this is great. Then I'm gonna go. Th- the, the next level is studying to be even better.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. And, yeah. and 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 do you find a lot of learning? Because again, there's obviously a lot that can be learned in workshops, in acting classes. But I think there's so much that can be learned on set and in auditions, and when you're 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 in the room with the people that are, are making this stuff happen, so you can get that direct feedback and that direct kind of growing on the spot, as such. So mm-hmm. do you feel on set you kind of end a job feeling in a better place than when you started it, if you know, I mean, or more experienced or more knowledgeable? Yeah,
1: absolutely. When you when you go in one hundred percent giving all you got.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, staying focused, paying attention, doing your homework, knowing your lines, yeah. you know, learning from other people, you, you owe it to yourself to say, I gave hundred percent. Now I can't see everything great that I've done yeah. but I know I've given 100% and so the greatness comes when people say wow that was great then you're yeah. like wow okay thank you so you owe it to yourself to just say hey man I gave my all I I I put everything into this yeah and you know the more you study the more the more focus you are I yeah. mean if I speak for myself
0: yeah yeah or what's been your journey into acting as said because it feels like it's one that's been uh, uh, fragmented and staggered over the years but mm-hmm. it feels like now it is all coming into fruition and coming into to more of a, a, a focus I guess so what was kind of your your path and journey to on the acting side of things to where you are now
1: well my path and journey uh, the first acting job I ever had was uh it was a, a sitcom called the Jamie Fox show yeah yeah and I played some woman called Ella May <laughs> or Ola May or whatever her name was. And um, that's when I was like, okay, I like this, but I'm nervous still. Yeah. And then I had a gig called Prison Songs. where yeah. I, You know, it was a independent film. And um, I played somebody's mom. I was always playing somebody's mom. <laughs> right, some <laughs> played yeah. play somebody's mom, and I was, like, super young. And, um... I was like, okay. And people were like, oh, my God, it was great. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, please, somebody hide this. Some I don't ever want to see this again. Completely. And so every time, I, you know, and then I did um, a couple of things in the middle. And then I did um, Ghost Whispers. And then yeah. I did a couple of Strong Medicine. And then I did Rock of Ages. And that was like a huge, huge deal. Yeah. And it was like, okay, when I saw it, it was like, man. There were so many things I could have did different like, that I could have done better if I would known better, but I didn't. But I learned from that. And um, that was another learning, growing experience. And then I did um The Wiz where I played the Wicked Witch. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was fun because you know, I, I just wanted, to, always wanted to play that witch. Yeah. And then Mudbound came. And so all of those things. And focusing and studying myself led up to me giving the performance I gave in Mudbound. Yeah. And so Mudbound is giving me the confidence to give the performance I'm giving in Umbrella Academy. Yeah. And, you know, and the other movies that are coming that I've done. And so they all just help you. So if you're studying yourself and you're humble and and you're non-biased, you'll learn something and you'll move to the next one and hopefully – No, I'm not going to say hopefully. When you give your all, you win. Yeah. You win because you gave your all. And then people say, wow, you did a great job. Yeah. You you understand what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. I love it. Um, It's it's fascinating because it felt like a a rock of ages was the point that it felt like no matter how big the roles prior to that were, Mm -hmm. it always felt as if they were kind of always going to be perceived as cameos rather than you're doing – I'm here to act, but it's because right. you already had this profile. So it's like, right. oh, they put Mary, and it's a it's a cameo. And Rock of Ages seemed to be that one was like, oh right, now maybe she's acting now. This is this is it. And then right. obviously, Madtown was was the next level of that. So right. so that how was it to, or how frustrating was it before that to kind of feel as if it's not not necessarily <clears throat> not being taken seriously, <clears throat> but seen as. You're there because you're Mary J. Blige, rather than I'm there because I'm right for this role and I'm an actor and I'm capable of this. Right.
1: It wasn't frustrating because I didn't. I wasn't looking at it like a frustrated actress. Yeah. I was looking at it as a a singer who had gotten opportunities to do this, and I was like, "Wow, okay." Since I've been given these opportunities, I have to be great. I have. I have to work hard at it. So I wasn't looking at it as, as a frustrated actress. And I'm never looking at it as a frustrated actress. I just did my work. I just did the work. Like, when it was an opportunity, it was like, I'm going to go hard. I'm going to... I just want to make people happy. Yeah. But I wasn't home like, oh, why are they not taking me seriously? It was like when I, when someone did pay attention to me, like Adam Shank, and said, well, I want her, you know, in, in this role, and he wants to meet me, with me, it was another opportunity. Like, okay, yes. Great. Yeah. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give it my all. Yeah. So it, I never... I never felt like oh, they're not taking me seriously because yeah. I was a singer. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, you know, I get it right or I don't, you know? Yeah. And I, obviously I got some right and I got some wrong. And it was just, I just looked at it as an opportunity to get it right the next time. Yeah. And, and that's how I feel now. I'm not frustrated. It's like, okay, they see me, I'm out yeah. there. Yeah. And there's, if there's something in me that's, a true actress someone will call
0: yeah you understand, yeah, understand yeah. what i'm saying so it's never
1: Completely. like oh my god you know what about me it's like oh thank you for the opportunity and if you want to call me call me it's, it's
0: mm-hmm. such a refreshing thing in that industry as well i think because i think mm-hmm. i mean y- you've been on sets and you will have seen that they can breed a jadedness a kind of an annoyance that you're waiting around a lot and things like that but mm-hmm. if you're going in there with that right mentality of i'm here to kill it i'm here to yeah. go all and just i'm I'm lucky to be here. I'm privileged to be waiting for four hours to then get on set. You know, this is
1: exactly, this is the thing. It's a privilege. Yeah. It's a privilege to be standing outside in zero degrees and Canada freezing. Yeah. You know, playing cha-cha. It's it's a privilege to be sitting out, you know, on on a set for two and three hours, but you get to laugh with, you know, Cameron, you get to laugh with Robert, you get to laugh with, and, you know, have conversations and you meet people. And it's just, it's, you know, you just use what you have to not be ungrateful. You know, yeah. you use it to, you know, be grateful.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I'm gonna I, I rewind all the way back now because I feel something about that attitude must come from from your upbringing. So, yeah. gr- growing up in as 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 a young black girl in the Bronx. Was acting ever something that was even floated as an an option? You know, I'd I'd see potentially music as being a far stretch, but still more realistic because at that point there would have been so many amazing female singers that are great examples, whereas Mm -hmm. in acting it wasn't something that was as easy to get into. It was a very Mm -hmm. white, middle-class dominated industry Mm -hmm. for the longest time.
1: Well, acting wasn't something that was on my radar. Um as a kid. But when I was seven years old, I was in a Christmas play and I, I was in a Christmas play with one of my classmates was a guy and we did so well in the Christmas play. And the chatter around the school was Mary and Tony did a They they killed it in the Christmas play. We were Amazing. kids yeah. hearing this. And so then I knew, you know, it was, it was a big deal around school, like how good we did. Yeah. And so th- then I knew it was like, wow, I, I, I can act, you know, but that was little kid acting, you know. Yeah. That was so that wasn't something that I could carry into my teenage years because it, in our environment where we lived, it was it, you couldn't even dream that big. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't even dream that big. So I sang for my life, literally. I sang to make me feel better, to make me feel happy, you know. And you know, I never thought about acting again until I got in the music business. Yeah. And all the way in the music business, like on you know the no more drama you know whatever I think it was the no more drama album where I first started um doing acting, yeah, and um that's when the opportunity presented itself again, but it wasn't like my mom was when I was seven, she was taking me around to agents because she didn't know I you know she didn't yeah. know about agent you know to oh, of for, you know for her kid to be an actress, and it wasn't something I told my mother, you know, yeah, my mom knew I wanted to sing, and you know like I said, in that environment, it was. You couldn't help, you know. You couldn't run around be, be an actress. You had yeah. to be real, <laughs> yeah, and and survive. So by the time I, you know, ended up in the music business, the opportunity presented itself, and
0: yeah, and here I am. I love it. It sticks with you though, right? The first mm-hmm. time someone. At a young age, someone tells you you're good at something because that's not always the way in school. You're generally told when you're doing something wrong or when, even right. even out of school, you're being told when you've been naughty or whatever. So right. the first time there is chat, oh, Mary can act. Like right, Mary but, smashed it. That, that right. kind of, even if it was just a seed planted, that's kind of a dope thing to have there of that moment of, oh, I thought I was just kind of playing. I was just up there doing what, what I was meant to do at school. Right. And now people are saying... I'm good. I can but do this. But it was this. honest
1: because we're kids and grownups were saying it.
0: Yeah. Te- other teachers were saying yeah. it. And what this difference the- that makes, this right? This was
1: the chat and we were like, wow, we're superstars. Yeah. You know, so we didn't, you know, that was good for school. That was good for being a kid. But in our real life when we had to go home to the projects, it was like, psh, kill all the dreams. Yeah. Kill that, the hope of that and just survive. We had to survive. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's.
0: I mean, it's tough as well because it, it makes a sense when I have Killer Mike on we talked about how the the killing of dreams when growing up in in rough areas is is harsh but it's also essential for survival at points a lot of families yeah. aren't talking about careers they're talking about paying the rent careers aren't yeah. something that's discussed right putting food on the table is what's discussed and that's the priority so right. it's easy to have an a romantic fairy tale look of it saying that kids should be allowed to dream and should be allowed to reach for the stars. But right. in some places and some areas, exactly. there's not time for that. There's not time, there's not the luxury to, to allow those dreams.
1: It's not even, this, there's no time for that. You have other children who are suffering and, you know. Yeah. It's hard to have a new pair of sneakers yeah. without someone being angry that you have a new pair of sneakers. 100%. It was like prison. Like it was like yeah. prison. So you get some new sneakers, someone steps on them, you have to fight them. Yeah. You know, it's like that. Yeah. So to, to walk around bragging about anything, we couldn't do that.
0: Yeah,
1: we didn't brag. about So I, I don't do that today. I don't brag about anything. I yeah. don't, you know, brag about how much money I have. You don't hear me talking about what I have in my, you know, yeah, none yeah, of my yeah. songs. Yeah, because that's how we grew up. So it was hard. You had to keep your dream. Somewhere tucked in your subconscious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if it stayed, you, you're blessed, you know. Yeah. So what? What kept my dream for me is that I was just I, I sang and I sang be, just because it was survival. Yeah, that's how I survived. I sang in the shower. I sang when I woke up. I sang. I sang. I sang. I sang. And people would say, "Mary, sing," because people like music. Yeah, you know, in the inner cities, they love music. And Always. it's like you, they want to hear their favorite song. Mary, sing my, sing the Anita Baker song. Mary, sing this song. Sing Features to Herbs, sing this. So that was my job. Yeah. Even as a kid, as, as, I was a singer. Yeah. But I still had to fight for that because people were jealous because of that. Yeah. So you just had to survive. That's basically it's, what it is. It's
0: beautiful there because it's the starting off it's singing as a commodity rather than mm-hmm. as a luxury even then because mm-hmm. it's it's to bring people up it's to it's the people in the neighborhood who are having a rough time like mary sing like take us out of this for a moment bring us out of this so it's yes. not even even then it's not although you're enjoying it it's not frivolous it's, it's such a needed part a lightness a, an injection of positivity in listen
1: it. i used to just to give you a story there was this woman named kathy she used to love me. Yeah. <laughs> There's always some grown-up that takes to a child. And she used to love the way I sang the song called Silly. And she used to take me to the stores and to a store called Steve Mark, Steve's Market. Mm-hmm. And she would say, you have, you have to hear this girl sing. She would, like, take me to <laughs> I was, like, getting shopped around as a 7-year-old, 8-year-old. And I would sing Silly by yeah. Denise Williams. And they would pay me. <laughs> quarters and yeah. juices and potato chips. So I've been working. I've been doing this for You're
0: a long time. Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So, uh, so, who were your inspirations growing up? Mm-hmm. Then, from a singing point of view, who were the people who you were wanting to imitate and 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 just uh, take on mm-hmm. y- yourself as you as you get to perform their songs?
1: Well, D- Denise Williams was definitely yeah. one of them. Um, Peaches and Herb. Yeah. Shaka um, uh, Khan. Yeah. Aretha Franklin, Anita Baker, Tina Marie, uh, Malara, Malara. People forget about Malara. Well,
0: Tina Marie as well, I think it's overlooked a lot for how impactful at the time she was. She was, yeah,
1: she was, yeah, she was a big deal. Yeah. Mariah Carey. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, those people.
0: But it was, I mean, at at that time in the Bronx, it's when hip-hop was still young too. So was that kind of motivating? Because you had all over New York hip-hop blowing up, but you had BDP and people like that shouting out the Bronx specifically Mm -hmm. and particularly with KRS kind of being really motivational uh, lyrics and Mm -hmm. and history lessons in there Mm -hmm. and black history and telling Mm -hmm. these stories. Mm -hmm. Was that inspirational to you and did it kind of motivate you to go, I I can do this Mm because there's people... Who look like me and sound like me and right. are from the same areas as me that are doing this. So it is an option. It's not a pipe dream.
1: Right. If it wasn't for BDP and Rock Him, you know, yeah. having a more conscious way of speaking to us. We probably wouldn't be here right now. We probably wouldn't believe that, you know, we could be where we are and be who we are. And yeah. we we probably, you know, I mean, I, I didn't finish high school, so, <laughs> but I did learn, you know, with KRS one it was like, you must learn. Yeah. It made you want to learn. Yeah. You know, that was big. And, um, you know, Rakim had always had something conscious to say, but his was more in the form of getting money on the streets and having five percent of knowledge you know so it was all everything was a learning experience when it came from 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 those people and we did use it like and and even um self-destruction with you know all the rappers was on it like that was a big deal like people are not doing things like that anymore so it was things to stop violence it was things to help you learn so living in the inner city those are the things that kept us strong it was you know The carest ones of the world And and, you know Rakims And um, All the rappers It seemed like all the rappers Had a different message back then Although it was about Selling drugs And all these things like that But it was also about Learning something
0: Yeah Yeah. So so did that motivate you? Because when you kind of You launched as such You were working with Who's who of producers But you had people like Busta Rhymes on your record Who Mm -hmm. just flow and style wise Was unique and next level Mm -hmm. But you had like Graham Puba, who mm-hmm. from brand nubian, was so conscious and so mm-hmm. again inspirational and teaching people ch- showing people that learn as much as you can in school mm-hmm. but the way schools are at this point you might not be able to learn everything it might not be relevant mm-hmm. to your neighborhood or mm-hmm. to your area there might be stuff that you have to learn f- from the streets f- mm-hmm. from your from your peers and that's mm-hmm. just as important it's not a uh, it's not something that is missed. It's something that you can learn and can b- bring on yourself, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, so how was it to work with people like that? It's seemingly straight off the bat.
1: It was great. I mean, they, you know, Busta Rhymes, they chose me. <laughs> you know, they they chose me. They, you know, um, Durant Poobah, you know, wanted me to be on his album. You Amazing. know, Busta Rhymes wanted to be on the, um, you know, The what's the four one one album narrating it? Like I was surrounded by love and respect from the hip hop community because I was hip hop. Yeah, I was the culture. Well, not was I'm still the culture. Yeah, but you know, it was it was a no brainer. And I grew up. You know, I was the kid that had to use all my common sense. You know that all common sense is my street knowledge. Yeah, everything I learned from the streets to survive. Yeah. And that's why I was accepted, because they were all the same. You know, they knew who I was and they knew I was true. Yeah. Yeah, I was truth. You know, I yeah, was yeah, yeah. I, I was not just something they made up. I I lived this stuff. And, you know, to to, to this day, my common sense and my street knowledge has gotten me far yeah. because it it it, it, t- it teaches me, like I was saying to you earlier, to appreciate everything. Yeah. Yeah. and not complain so much about it, and just com- appreciate the opportunities that are given, Yeah, you know, and not brag about everything you have, because if you brag, you have to fight.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've got to defend that brag. Right. you got to stand behind it. Right. So, I mean, how is it, it looking back? Because I think it's worth noting, I think it's something that sometimes gets overlooked, that you kind of were the launchpad for Biggie as well. Like, mm-hmm. the, the first... When Biggie was on the remix, and it it was the first time he was Notorious B.I.G., I I guess at that point, he was just this talented young kid. How is it looking back now at at, at all that Biggie did in that short amount of time, and how iconic he became, and knowing that that was kind of, you were kind of giving him a a leg up at that point, it felt like?
1: I mean, it's amazing. Biggie was so amazing, it didn't feel like I was giving him a leg up. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He
1: was so amazing on the remix, the Real Love remix, I was like... Man, you know, is he is he not out yet?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and um so he How he, is that? When there's someone you hear that you're like this guy's the truth and people don't know yet. How excited is it to go we need to get you on this record and get this record out so that people can hear what I've just heard in this in this small room, you know?
1: Listen, the first time we heard Real Love the remix, we were like okay, who is this? And yeah, it was Baby yeah. Smalls and it was it wasn't even on the streets yet. Yeah. And he was destined to do big things because he just was Biggie from the gate. Just like, yeah. gosh, who this guy's? You know, amazing. Yeah. So, Biggie was destined to do what he did. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh,
0: again, I'm going to be. We've only got ten minutes or so left. Obviously, there's so much that we can cover, but jumping forward to to share, uh, uh, share my world at that point, you're not. Just Mary from 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 the Bronx. You're mm-hmm. Mary J. Blige at that mm-hmm. point. That's you, like you're, you've established your name. You've you've become known as as the queen of of, mm-hmm. of R and B and mm-hmm. hip hop and or R and B and soul. And how was that? Did did you feel any pressure at any point? Because it's noticeable that you instantly were still surrounding mm-hmm. yourself with the best of the best. I think Lil Kim mm-hmm. doesn't get nearly as much credit as she deserves Wait. for opening the doors for Nicki Minaj and all these people now who are getting to go out there and. Rap hard and, exactly. and, and make no apologies, you know. And right. Kim was one of the ones who was mm-hmm. the first there going, no, I'm not a female rapper, I'm a rapper. I'm, I'm here to, I'll stand next to any of these guys and just and go, you know. Right. So so how was that at that point to kind of, to to be still bringing people up but still working with people like Nas who was, you know, at his, his, his peak at that point as well or climbing his peak at that point. How mm-hmm. was that to be established and continue to work in these circles rather than just go, I'll just do, I'll just only work as me. It's Mary's album. Now it's still collaborating with people.
1: I mean, it it, it was fun, but it was scary for me because I, Puff and I had gone, you know, in different directions and and Puff was like my everything in the the music business. Right. So I was nervous, you know, that I couldn't do it without him. I was like, I was kind of nervous. So, But, you know, when I get nervous, I go hard and I go, I make it happen. So I did that and then I was embraced by, you know, Nas came along and, you know, because he's on the Share My World album and um, Trackmasters and just that whole era, you know, embraced me, you know, and Rodney Jerkins had just come along in my life at that point and we made Share My World and, you know, I, I did it afraid you know i did it like nervous yeah <laughs> but i did it you know i did it because i knew that this was the first time i'm ever going to be I'm, I'm on my own and i have to prove that i can do it
0: on my yeah. own
1: yeah and, and i did
0: 100 <laughs> percent. i also think before you um when rappers would guest on r&b tracks that that pull it back a little it, it, it'd be LLT. Doing a sexy LL mm-hmm. r- rather than Mama said knock you out LL, mm-hmm. but you it feels like you were the first to have people like Method and Ghostface and this like hard rappers coming on and going as hard as as as, as the they need to, and that then became a huge thing with mm-hmm. cl- every pop star that, that down the line would add mm-hmm. Lil Wayne on a track, add, add add Method, add you know all all these kind of harder and more aggressive stuff. How was that to kind of go? Look, I don't need you to do your R&B version of rap. I need you to do you. I need you to come and bring what you bring.
1: I mean, they was just coming along doing them. Like yeah. they, they wasn't coming with an R&B version. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, when I did your all I need with, with meth, yeah. it was, it was a no brainer. You know, like, when, when they come to me or, you know, when we get together, no one's thinking of a polished version of a song. Everyone's thinking, how can we make this the grittiest Grammys street R&B record? Anybody like, your R&B and you're gonna deliver, old dirty bastard, the yeah. way you deliver. You're gonna deliver Method Man the way you deliver, and yeah. only the way you deliver. I don't want you to polish anything up.
0: I, d- they, I can't they- imagine ODB ever polishing <laughs> or changing <laughs> anything for anyone.
1: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's, not an it, was just no, it was just natural. Like everybody just did what they did. Yeah. Naturally, there was no t- telling people to do anything different.
0: Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah completely. So I mean, uh, we've looked back at. Uh, a lot of things there and again you've quite rightfully uh, uh uh heralded as one of the the empowering uh, women again for for i think you can go back and look at, at yourself and then you can go back and look at, at at tina turner and all these people who who have laid the ground for your beyonce's and you all, all these huge powerful women to be powerful women now um we look back at looking at the biggie that you were working with then and looking at what he became we don't have to go into it in huge detail but has it felt weird at all look with all the stuff that's been coming out about r kelly recently that he's someone that you collaborated with early on when r kelly was this adored and loved the king of r&b how was that kind of or how is it kind of looking back and seeing the 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 warping of that character i guess as time has gone on
1: of what character
0: of of R. Kelly of, of of the stuff that seems to be coming out or, or the general perception of him it's, in the media it's, now.
1: It's sad. Yeah, that's that's all I'm gonna say is it's sad, and I have no judgment for it because it's just sad. It's sad because the music was phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> so absolutely. I I just, I just hate to see man. It's, it's sad. It's yeah. really really sad, and it's disappointing. You know, it's disappointing. But I can't. I'm not. You know, I can't be the judge. You know. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I, I can't be the judge. All I can say is, like, man, wow. Yeah, you know, I can't. I can't really comment. That completely. Heavy,
0: yeah. No, no. That's a completely understandable. It's such a weird world now. How 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 things, even history, can be changed because it's it's all shone through the eye of a social media, and that's where the judge, jury, and executioner is, rather than a, you know a, a, a rational.
1: Well, I, I want to. I would say this. We, everyone on this earth. We as people We have to be careful with power Yeah When you get power It's not for you to degrade And push down And you know bully It's for you to uplift 100%. And have compassion Yeah And be on that platform To help someone Not not to mess someone's life up You yeah. know Everybody feels a certain thing When you have power You feel like you have authority Over everything But you really have authority Over you Yeah And nothing else And the only thing You're supposed to do Is love and share and help. Yeah, that's why we're on these platforms. Not torturing. You know, you're not supposed to hurt people. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Completely. I'll I'll wrap things up here. But by asking kind of, uh, uh, what's ahead? Because you seem to have that again. That work ethic of someone who's come Mm -hmm. from the bottom and knows and knows you're you're lucky to be. I see you as Mm -hmm. said constantly, hustling in the gym. Mm S- selling cl- clothing, getting people out to vote, all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff on social media. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's the plan going forward? Is acting more of the focus now, or is it still going to be, you know, hands mm-hmm. in every? No, this every is the industry. plan.
1: The plan is this: I'm work. I'm in the studio right now. working on an oh, album. I have one coming out. I have. I'm, I'm almost done with two of them. I have two. I'm so I'm doing that. That's I love, I love that. And acting is my focus as well because i have a movie coming another movie called body cam coming
0: yeah and um it's something i'm going to continue to do basically Did, do you find it beneficial to have that balance to go from one to the other because i think anything you yeah, yeah. go fully into it can become all consuming or you're overthinking things whereas if you can go from i'm in the studio and now i'm on set and now i'm doing you know going back mm. and forth it gives you that it keeps both vibrant and exciting right
1: is it it's it's a, it's beneficial it's a blessing to be able to
0: live out both my dreams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is good.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for your time. And yeah, congratulations on all that's, you. all that's to come. It's been a pleasure. Same here. This thank was you. great. You've been
1: listening to Scrooge
0: Kick's Discrushed and Pieces. There we go. That was Mary J. Blige. And what an absolute joy of a conversation that was to have. I want to quickly touch upon, obviously, at the end there, it came up naturally and I didn't want to... I, I, I brought up R. Kelly and I was so pleased and delighted with Mary's response and answer. Because to be clear, if she had said she didn't want to discuss it or no comment in it that would have been absolutely fine and reasonable and you may be listening thinking it's not but she's here to promote a TV show she's doing not talk about someone she worked with over 20 years ago you know but the way the conversation went it kind of came up naturally and I was really nervous of bringing it up because I started to think about it and my little heart was going and we were having such a good conversation. I, like, I don't want to ruin this by now making her accountable and again to be clear I think all of these accusations against R. Kelly. I think this it's it's hard to deny that he's a bad person from from my from my boundaries from what I think. I'm not a fan of the dude, but equally, I don't think he should be given the power of pulling down everyone who's ever worked with him, who very well wouldn't have known. And it's a weird one. I was discussing this recently, and and we were saying, well, you know, it's said that a lot of people that worked with him did know. It's like, well. No, because the public knew, you know, the Aaliyah marriage stuff came out in the 90s. And it was kind of thought, right, well, this is weird and confusing. Maybe it's a one-off weird thing. And, you know, a lot got ignored for a long time. Um, I remember B. Dolan sending, no, Sage Francis actually, sending me an article in 2016 or 2017 detailing all the stuff that hadn't been in the press. And he was shouting about it then. I was shouting about it online then. So it's not fair. It's fair to be angry now and to be disgusted now, but but it's not fair to assume that anyone else in the past either knew or knew how to react or should have done all all these different things because we didn't. If you're only just angry about it, you had as much access to finding out the accusations at least, Um, and that's not hating on anyone. That's just I think we're in this weird place. In 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 the the new social media world, where we're very quick to be judge, jury, and executioner, and there's no—I talk about it all the time. There's a lack of nuance, and the nuance is important in the world. So yeah, I just wanted to say that I loved that Mary spoke about the abuse of power and how important power is. I thought that was great, and mad love to her for, for responding at all because I kind of. Felt almost bad bringing it up because that's not what we're here to discuss. We're here to celebrate this amazing new TV show, her legendary career, and all this other stuff. So, yeah, I wanted to add that there. But to be clear, fuck R. Kelly. Um, things I was going to mention that happened last week uh, uh, we launched the Pod Bible magazine. Good Lord, the reaction was insane. So, Pod Bible is a magazine that myself, Stu Whiffin, and Adam. R- richardson have made and it's a free magazine that we give out like like we spent all of monday i was up i had to leave the house at 5 a.m and i got in uh no just before 9 p.m um so we were all day handing these out and the reaction was amazing people loved it it's a magazine that's recommending podcasts it's also just talking about our favorites talking about how to make podcasts. It's not a distraction pieces network thing. I think maybe three shows from the the network get mentioned in this issue and literally hundreds of podcasts get mentioned in this issue. So it's honestly not just a a a self-promotion thing. Let's make that clear. But the reaction has been huge to the the physical release. We put them in shops and the shops were hitting us up literally within 24 hours to ask for more to restock. But if you missed one, the good news is the digital version is um, is out now. It launched Monday of, of this week. So we did the physical Monday of the week before. So if you go to podbiblemag.com, then you can check that out, read it, and see what's going on. And f- f- follow our socials, because on the socials, it's not just going to be sh- sh- shouting about the mag. Obviously, for this week or two, we we're, we're very focused on the launch. But in general, there's going to be continued reviews recommendations uh little interviews in 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 the first issue there's an interview with adam buxton an interview with craig parkinson um alex fox has written an article for it tons of really good people involved and that's going to continue on the socials so get over and follow pod bible and we want to hear your tips and recommendations um there's tons of sections in there there's a section called the holy mother of pod and we want each each issue a mum to recommend their favourite podcast because we want to make it clear that podcasts are for everyone. Um, and obviously this was the first one, so we had an analysis. So the mum in question on this one was my mum. And she recommended – it was a mad thing actually. One of the podcasts that she's a big fan of is is uh, There's No Such Thing as Fish. And one of the guys from No Such Thing as Fish had come down to get a copy off of us because he'd seen us post about it. And I I was excited to open and say, look, look, you're recommended by, of all people, my mum. And then he tweeted about it. It was Tom. uh, He tweeted about it. And my mum responded. And he offered my mum free tickets to their upcoming tour. And it was all amazing. It's it's, it's super cool. We couldn't be more pleased with the reaction and the excitement. The fact that we've started this little magazine because we thought there was a demand for it. It's something that we would want. And we've got Acast and Spotify as partners on it now. They're two of the biggest companies in the country in, in slashing the world. And as soon as we launched, we were having people at, at the BBC and people at, at, you know, global and all these huge companies all say, Oh, can we get some copies? This sounds interesting. So it's mad how that's going. Um, I should also mention that to hand them out, I dressed up as a priest with a gold tooth. I've got a couple of gold teeth I put in every now and then cause I'm thuggy like that. Um, See, so, yeah i handed them out dressed as a priest with a gold tooth and there'll be more about that on the website and on the social media pages so yeah head over pod bible um check them out i'm gonna go now uh, i'll be back on friday with joe cornish you know a legend of podcasting uh, really and now a legend a growing legend in film so um check that out on friday other than that, patreon.com slash dot com. You know the places, you know the drill. Don't you dare rate and review me on iTunes. I don't want none of your business there. Every other podcaster is more hungry for those those five-star reviews and or those five-star ratings and, and shining reviews. I don't want them. You go and give them to someone else. Although if you want to, I'd, I'd accept them. <sighs> I'll see you all next week. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I'll see you on Friday, sorry. This has been the Distraction Piece podcast, episode two hundred and fifty-one, with Mary J. Blige.